Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. As I come back to you this Sunday, I've been away two Sundays. I haven't been away. I've been here listening to Pastor Mel teach about uh, astronomy and science and all this stuff. So I started doing my own little research. Can you take the lights down? Okay, I'm going to be honest. I sent this PowerPoint to Pastor Mel and said, what are these things? And he said, well, some of them are galaxies that you can see, and some of them are the remnants of exploding stars. And he said, uh, some of them have been colorized so we can see kind of the depth and outline of what's there. But they are captured by the Hubble telescope. And I just want you to just kind of get an idea of some of what's out there that you can really only capture through Hubble. Um, this is the remnants, of, apparently, of, a, uh, of an exploding star. This is, uh, has been called a horse head somewhere out there in deep space. That's the, at least the shape that it takes on. Uh, we can see galaxies uh, as the Hubble telescope goes by and captures pictures. Sometimes they're colliding galaxies. And in the heart of the Whirlpool galaxy... Uh, they snapped a picture, and they saw that. And uh, I asked Pastor Mel about this, and he said he had never seen it before, but he verified it on the NASA website. And some of you have seen this image before because Louis Giglio went around in the indescribable tour with the song by Chris Tomlin, and he showed some of these incredible pictures of just what's out there in deep space. Now, I want you to know something. The God that you serve is the one who made all of these things. The universe is so massive. It is so mathematically overwhelming. It is imbued with so much glory and power. I can't even begin to wrap my brain around it. Light years and stars and galaxies and things that are untapped out there And the Bible says the one that made it all is the God of the Bible. But wonder of wonders, it doesn't stop there because what we're going to study this morning is we're not going to talk about stars and we're not going to talk about things that are beneath the surface of the ocean, things that are so incredible and majestic that when you watch shows about that stuff and you see the color variations and the size of these sea creatures. By the way, the Genesis says God made. Even the book of Job records them. Uh, There's been a big debate about dinosaurs and geologic ages. Let me just tell you something, because I've done my own homework on dinosaurs. Dinosaurs, dinosaur, the word was coined uh, only about 100 years ago. Before, they were really known as dragons. Job, 30, Job 41, Job 38 makes reference, Job 41, and then a passing reference in, in Genesis. But here's the thing. They have pulled stuff out of the ocean in the last century that they don't even know how to categorize. There's some photos that, are, that exist of things that were pulled out of the ocean that scientists said look like a dinosaur, but they couldn't call it a dinosaur because dinosaurs are supposed to be extinct millions and millions of years ago, and it doesn't fit into the so-called geologic ages, which is a farce anyway. 
but the majesty of God's creation. The one thing that's been made in His image is not stars or sea creatures or any of those things. It's people. And the tragedy is that in the news, it's been now coming out that Planned Parenthood, as heinous as what they do actually is, is now selling parts on the open market to the highest bidder. And there's questions being raised about whether or not they'll even be investigated for what they are doing that's been captured on tape, people eating salads and drinking wine and talking about parts. We've so devalued what God said was the jewel of his creation that we've lost our way. And now some guy who killed a lion in Africa, and I'm not saying what he did was right, but he's going to be investigated and potentially indicted. But Planned Parenthood gets millions of dollars of government money, by the way, your tax money, to support what they do. Now, I'm not condemning anybody because we've all made our mistakes, and that is not my point. But my point is, folks, we have lost our moral compass because what the Bible says is made in God's image is humanity. And the word image in Hebrew is salam, and it means to cast a shadow. It means that that which reflects God to humanity and everyone who witnesses it, whether it's your children, grandchildren, or the rest of creation is mankind made in the image of Almighty God, filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Man, we got to get back to the fact that life is sacred. If we can take the lights up, I want to tell you something about who you are this morning. Maybe you just need a reminder in this crazy, broken world. You are special. Human beings are special. We are the unique creature made on day six of all that is majestic and mind-blowing in this universe, the only creature that is said to be made in God's image. Genesis 1. I'm going to take you back for a second to verse 22. Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you that uh, as human beings we have a great privilege to be made in your image. So much teaching has flown against that in our society. Darwinian evolution, the lowering of the dignity of man and the elevating of the animal kingdom. And even though we are stewards of the earth and we appreciate animals, humans are unique, made in the image of Almighty God, tied to their creator, casting his shadow on the earth. Father, we pray that as we study this, this would just not be another Bible study. This would be a time of wonder, a time to really get back in touch with who we are because that has been lost largely in our society and there's many wandering people, broken, empty, depressed, wondering what their life really means. And Genesis tells us, oh, your life has such rich meaning and such rich destiny. I pray, Lord, that you administer to every soul that's here and just help us to be in awe that we are the jewel of your creation. And let us uh, worship you because of it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Genesis one twenty two to set the context, God blessed them 
Genesis 1.22, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. Genesis 1.23, And there was evening and there was morning a fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures, key phrase, after their kind. Cattle, verse 24, and creeping things, and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. And God made, 25, the beasts of the earth after their kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And God saw that it was good. I want you to notice that the author of Genesis keeps repeating a phrase, after their kind. And what we found in the study of uh, six million forms of plants and animals is simply this, that things reproduce after their kind. And that is the principle that God has put into this universe. Humans have human offspring. Cats give birth to cats. Dogs give birth to dogs. And things are made after their kind. Evolution has to take some huge leaps. First of all, evolution says that the planet that we're on and all the wonder of the galaxy we live in and the universe came from nothing. Now, in my simple mind, I will just give you simple categories. Here's the options you have. Since scientists now agree that the universe had a beginning and they may call it the Big Bang or whatever, you have two options now that we know the universe is not eternal. Option A, or maybe this is B, the universe came from nothing. There was nothing and then there was something And the explanation in Darwinian evolution is that there was an explosion and stuff started swirling around and it was about the size of a period at the end of a sentence. That's how they say it. And stuff started swirling around and boom, it exploded and boom, 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 planets started going out there. And they say stuff started swirling so fast, that's why the planets are turning this way. But then Pastor Mel told us that some of them are turning the other way. Somebody said, why are some of them turning this way and some of them that way? And somebody said, just to drive evolutionists crazy. (laughs) Probably for no other reason. And then they say, after everything exploded, it started raining. We don't know where that came from. And then as water collected, and Pastor Mel told told you they don't know where all this water could have come from, but they're thinking maybe what the theory was, uh, what was it? comets and then no that can't work but anyway you had the water and then lightning started to strike the water and then we had some sort of living form come out of it and then from that early life where we don't know where that came from everything else evolved from there into six million forms of plants and animals and nothing steering that there's no mind there's no will there's no design there's no intellect It's all a cosmic accident, and that's why everything's here. Your eyes, an accident. Your nose, your taste buds, your digestive system, your circulatory system, your involuntary organs, accident. You, accident. Nobody's steering. Option A. Option B says God made everything, and he's an incredible designer outside of time. Now, let me ask you a question. Which option takes more faith? (laughs) Which option seems to be more scientific? Nothing and everything came, 
or God in the beginning made the heavens and the earth, and he's the awesome chemist, the awesome designer of everything. I was playing racquetball one day, and I was witnessing to this guy. I'd been working on him for a while, and we are talking about the, the universe and the heavens declaring the glory of God, and I broke into the gospel, and it wasn't the first conversation. And we had an atheist in our group. He was pretty outspoken. He went to pagan festivals and wore t-shirts about it, so he was pretty out there about it, and we would debate back and forth. And He had salt and pepper hair, and he had it in a ponytail. Very good racquetball player, but you know, was kind of obnoxious about his atheism. And so I was sitting outside on the little bench outside the racquetball court talking to this guy, and the atheist was nervously buzzing around us. You could tell he just wanted to say something. (laughs) And finally, I said, do you see that? To my friend, and he goes, yeah. And he looked up at the atheist's face, and I said, that is the face of evolution. And he said, tell me more about God. Tell me more about God. (laughs) Sarcasm is biblical, isn't it? Those are the options you've got. Because it's not eternal. So eat now option C, which uh, Pastor Mel made reference to, and Francis Crick, apparently co-discoverer of DNA structure, believes some form of this, is when they looked at the DNA molecule and they looked at what some have called a Lilliputian world of complexity. You see, it's not just creation that testifies to God, although that is the big category. It's complexity. Life is complex. It's incredibly complex. That's part of how you should argue as a, as a theist, as a Christian. You should say the complexity of life screams for a designer. Human beings are more complex than the most complex supercomputer that exists. And your friends and family say amen. It's very complex. You, anyway, that was a joke. You, you can flow with it. But think about the intricate design of the distance of the sun, moon, and stars and how everything works together. Think of reproduction. Think of the self-healing of the body. Think of the wonder of your organs and your eyes and this massive tissue in your head which holds the memories of a lifetime. Even science tells us we only use 10% of our brain power. And all your friends and family know that very well too. (laughs) Just kidding. No. Anyway. (laughs) Do you know that the word science simply means knowledge? All science is is a pursuit of knowledge. It's trying to get to what's true. And what you have before you is what the Bible says happened. God made things after their kind. If Darwinian evolution is true and everything evolved from some little organisms in a soupy substance millions and millions of years ago, would you not expect that the fossil record would have millions of transitional forms in it? Because you'd have to have things that had, maybe it had one arm and then it evolved to two arms and then it evolved to something else. Where are all those fossils? They're nowhere. They can't find them because they don't exist And then people try to come up and say, well, you know, maybe it was uh, something that happened to something and there was a disease or something and that's how things form. But usually those are negative situations. They're not positive. Do you realize that in schools today, the theory that I just laid out for you that everything in the universe came from nothing by accident and chance and every species of plant, animal, and humans evolved from a primordial substance with no direction, no will, no mind, no intellect directing it is the accepted science. And it sounds so scientific until you break it down, doesn't it? I'm not trying to oversimplify it. That's what it is. 
When you really break it down, that's what they believe. So I think it's important for Christians to know that uh, there's not a whole lot that they're going on. And I mentioned Francis Crick. Uh, the option C now is that aliens shot intelligent life down. And so they saw this Lilliputian world of all this complexity and they said, there's got to be an intelligence behind it so we can't believe Genesis 1 because that doesn't work for us. So aliens is option C. Some intelligent life somewhere shot the first makings of life down here. We haven't met them yet, but the movie Contact, if you saw it with Jodie Foster, was a little bit going after that idea that aliens are responsible for life, and one day we'll meet them, and they'll appear in a form that is acceptable to us, and then they'll explain how everything happened. You see, the drama of creation is moving toward its final act. And Genesis 1 is all about God, and it's all about how he made things. And one of the most compelling truths of Genesis 1 is the revelation of man's origin. It's been attacked, but mankind, you and I, have a creator. You have a creator. He made you. In the overwhelming scope of the universe in which we live, the majesty of God's creation is man. The only thing made in his image. You are designed with value, with dominion over everything God made, and the potential for an exhilarating destiny. Because the Bible ties Genesis to Revelation, and it says, what was lost in the fall will be regained in, Genesis, in Revelation 21 and 22. A new heavens and a new earth wherein righteousness dwells. No more death, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more grief. The former things will have passed away and what God intended in the beginning will be restored at the end. They're connected. We did a memorial service for Glenn Govednik yesterday here in this sanctuary. Arlene was here at first service. I told Arlene, your husband's going to rise. Because Jesus said, because I live, you will live. And the creator became one of us and he died on the cross and he rose from the dead in the very history in which we live. And he says, because I live, you will live. And you have an exhilarating destiny if you will follow that creator. But you have an option. And one of the things it means to be an image bearer is volition. That means choice. One of the things that I think it means to be human is to have a choice. God did not make you a pull doll where you just pull the string and I love you, I love you, I love you comes out. He didn't pre-program you as a robot with an automatic response. He wanted you to choose to love him and that's part of the privilege of being human. I'll give you a tennis analogy. You and I could go out to a tennis court and we could decide we're going to play tennis. And I could take the ball and I could hit you the ball. What you do with it afterwards is up to you. The ball is proverbially in your court. Now you could do what one of our high school baseball players did. His name was Brad. He was pretty lazy. Unless the ball hopped up right into his glove, he would not move. So we'd be in batting practice. The ball would come right by Brad and he would go like this. And we'd say, Bradley, get the ball. Not going to bend over. Smack. Another ball hit. Now the beauty of being human is the ball's in your court. God can hit you the ball. You can hit it back or... If you decide to play another game, you could hit it over the fence. You're playing the wrong game, though. Drop your racket and go into your home run trot. <sighs> wrong game. I'm a Dodger fan. That may trouble some of you. 
But if you've been watching, the Angels have not been doing very well in these last couple of games. But we're not going to go there because we don't want a church split over baseball. However, I was listening to a Dodger broadcast this couple of years back. If you, if you follow the Dodgers at all, Charlie Steiner is a longtime voice on radio. Charlie Steiner was talking about a Dodger player that was on the disabled list, and he goes, he's on the DL, his status is day-to-day. And then he said, aren't we all? (laughs) And you know, the truth of the Bible, you guys, is part of being human is you have responsibility. You've been given the privilege of choice, but with the privilege of choice is the responsibility to live with your choice. And that's the dignity that God has placed in the universe. Everybody's asking, why? Why this choice for evil in Genesis 3? Why this option? Because God wanted love to be real. And he knew that the only way that you could be fully human and be dignified is to have your own choice. And the ball is in your court. He will not believe for you. He will not repent for you. Nor will he follow for you. But he will give you the power. He will give you the grace to respond to the gospel. He will give you what you need to even repent of your sin and to see it for what it is. And he will even give you the power of the Holy Spirit to follow him. But you can fight him in this life. And there are a ton of people doing it. And they're hanging their hat on evolutionary theory, which is bankrupt. There's no evidence to it whatsoever. And you've heard evolutionists quoted by Pastor Mel saying, I will not believe that. Not on scientific facts but just because they cannot accept God as creator. And Solomon said at the end of Ecclesiastes, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in him. And you you listen to scientists and you say, this is Romans 1. They exchanged professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of God for the image of corruptible man. Romans 1.25 says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen? Amen? And then people go with a religious option and they say, oh, I'm a God. You see, humanity's been served up these lies and it's caused so many. Do you see them? They're walking around, they're confused about morality. They're confused about marriage. They're confused about life. They've been fed a pack of lies. And once you detach yourself from the creator, all you've got left is humanity. And that's humanity down at an animal plane. But God tells us, no, life has much more value than that. God, this is uh, verse 26, Genesis 1. The word God is Elohim. It's a plural form of the name God. It could be uh, mean more than two. Then God said, now it's been talked about in Genesis 1, God said, and it was, but now God has some dialogue going. Then God, Elohim, plural, said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Who was God talking to? If you read some orthodox commentaries on Genesis, and I call them orthodox because this is what some orthodox scholars are saying, they believe that Genesis 1 is an early heavenly court scene. And they, you'll, you'll find probably 
some equal uh, validity given to this view in recent commentaries. They say that there's a heavenly court scene and the us is the angels. And God, much like pagan uh, mythology of creation accounts, they have their pagan court scenes with all these multiple gods thinking up the world and the universe. Well, this is a Jewish form, they say, of a heavenly court scene, but it's monotheistic, meaning it's one God, yet the angels are there and God's saying, God's speaking to the angels. In the book of Genesis, we get an interesting insight into mankind. Man is made, Genesis 1.26, in the image of God. God made us, and he made us in his image. Now, of all the, the different varieties of life that God has made, nothing, no one except men and women are image bearers. And this is a great privilege that we have. It's not often thought about, but it's an important thing to understand because it gives and helps shape your worldview. It gives you the value of human life as opposed to animal life. It tells you why abortion is wrong. And it tells you why we need to preserve and protect human life. And so man is made in the image of God. The communicable attributes of God, like truth and love and even the ability to create, is something that human beings have. We know the concept of sacrificial love. We can think. And, you know, part of the being an image bearer is that we rule over the creation of God, which is what Genesis 1.26 said. We have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You, my friend, are special because you're human. And God made you in his image. And before anyone ever loved you or touched you, God did. He made you. He wove you together in, his, in your mother's womb. Thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio. And, you know, when we're doing radio, folks, um, it's a little hard to tell who's listening. And we'd like to be able to uh, hear from our listening audience. And we're not asking for anything other than just drop us an email and let us know uh, if the program has been a blessing to you. We'd certainly like to hear from you. We're always looking how to best spend our stewardship dollars in terms of the ministry of radio. And so we, we'd like to know uh, how we're doing. And drop the email to office at livingtruthcorona.org. That's office at livingtruthcorona.org. Org. And just let us know who you are and if you've been listening, if the program's been a blessing to you. That would really help us out, and that would be a blessing to us just to hear from some of our radio listeners. So again, drop an email to office at livingtruthcorona.org. Thank you so much for listening and praying for us and supporting us if you can. And we uh, are very appreciative of the body of Christ and pray that the Lord will bless you and your family. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.